from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And what is better, right? Whose idea of better? It's just development that displaces people. I would challenge people to think about what that input is, who it's going to benefit, and why it is being shared, especially over social media. I'm Emily Woodbury. Since 2015, Love Bank Park has offered a place for Cherokee Street residents to rest and gather. What started as some murals surrounding two vacant lots is now a neighborhood asset, the street's only public gathering place. But its creators aren't stopping there. After seven years of community planning, residents and business owners with the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District have unveiled plans to redevelop Love Bank Park. And joining me now are some of the core leaders of the redevelopment. Teaching artist and poet, Patia Elaine Anderson, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Kave Razani, Vice Chair of the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District and co-founder of Blank Space on Cherokee Street, welcome. Thank you for having us. And Eric Prospect White, Outreach Coordinator for the Guardian Angel Settlement Association. Thanks for coming in. So for those who haven't visited on Cherokee Street in a bit, um, can you paint a picture of what Love Bank Park looks like right now and what you identify as some of its needs? What does Love Bank Park look like? I think that perspective is, as they say, in the eye of the beholder. Uh, Some people would say it looks like a lot with a basketball court, basketball hoop. Some people would say it looks like um, an unfinished art project. Some people would say it looks like the beauty of blackness. One of the beautiful things about the way that Love Bank came about is it's whatever you want to make it. Um, There's been so many different events and activities and communings and convenings that have happened there. Everything from uh, memorials for young people who were lost to gun violence, uh, rallies, award ceremonies, Juneteenth celebrations, birthday parties, um, pop-ups and uh, food trucks. And so... Looking at Love Bank, it really just comes from what, how, how you look at and how you see the world. If you see the world through the eyes of pessimism and um, everything that's wrong, you're probably not going to see something beautiful. But if you look through the eyes of optimism and um, potential and see the beauty of what's already there, it's a very beautiful place. Prospect, I, I see you nodding. Does some of that resonate with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love Bank looks like home. Love Bank looks like maybe my mom's in the hospital. Can I talk to you? Can I have a dollar for a bag of chips? Like Love Love Bank is just that genuineness that we all get and being comfortable in our familiar surroundings that we have all worked to build up. You know, the the perspectives that Pacey just spoke on, it hits the mark every time and every given day, rainy days, sunny days, it's going to be the same. It's going to have its ups, its downs. You know, we've had some of the best celebrations Cherokee Street has ever seen at Love Bank Park. We've also had shootings. You know, it's the overall perspective and the the growing that, you know, that makes it work all together. Mm. And something that stood out to me, the street's only public gathering space, like just a place where you can just rest your bones and be among people, not have to purchase anything like that. 
that brings a lot. I didn't realize that was the only space on the street mm-hmm. that was there for that. Pesha, tell me a little bit about Love Bank Park's origins. I'm particularly curious about the name, Love Bank Park. Yeah, um, Love Bank Park's origins, we don't have enough time to really talk about all the people and all of the forces um, that connected to make Love Bank what it is now or what people see it as. Um, The concise story uh, is that there is a business owner named Will Porter. Uh, shout out to Master Pizza. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> shout out. Um, Master Pizza uh, was a pizza spot across the street from Love Bank Park, and Will Porter, um, I'm, I'm always going to uplift his <clears throat> name and his participation um, because he really had this vision that was rooted in a deep connection with the youth on the street. Um, a little bit of backstory is that, yes, we say that Love Bank is the only public gathering space currently, um, but there was a time when there wasn't a place on the street at all for young people to go. There were very few places, and Master Pizza was one of those places. And so in communion and connection and conversation with the young people, um, there was an idea about basketball because on the south side of St. Louis for a very long time, maybe even till this day, mm-hmm. there were no uh, places to play basketball outside because of racist ordinances put into place a long time ago. So we went to play basketball. And long story short, um, Will had this vision. He gathered resources and really helped to make it happen. And that's how the hoop got put on this uh, vacant a plot of land across the street from Master Pizza. There's so much more underneath, around, behind, and all through that story. Um, but that's the crux of it. Um, but the love bank that we know it as today and the name really generated from this relationship that Will had with not just the young people, but just the people in the neighborhood in general. Um, the, the, the name Love Bank... Um, really comes from the place of intention of what the space was to be used for. It came because of love, right? A love of community, a love of um, the youth, a love of uh, creativity and play and freedom and not being restricted in the built environment, the spaces in which um, a lot of us are forced to to live in. Um, So that's the love part, right? It was built and it has an intention of being in place, a place of love. And bank, I'm going to actually um, pass this on to, uh, to Prospect about uh, a bank. What, what, what is a, a, a bank? I mean, the genius behind the name Love Bank. Like, Will, Will Porter had this vision that nobody else seen at the time. And the, pe- the place just looked gloomy. It didn't look inviting at all. And Will, like myself, Will came up as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see young people have this outlet in his community. So the love bank, you know, like the, 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 the harboring, the, the, um, the inviting of that love from surrounding community members and businesses and the like residents, whoever there who wants to visit the space, but as a basketball player. Like he, he purposely wrote Love Bank on the square where you need to make a bank shot at the genius in it all. And I was all in. So, <laughs> well, and we should talk about I mean, one of the main features of this redevelopment is a basketball court. Um, it's going to be, I think, the region's first public water permeable basketball court. I have questions about 
what it means to be water permeable. What, from what I've seen, those plans contain a basketball court, but there are three courts within that court is what I gather, you know, so it kind of triples what Will was thinking initially. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I love to see the plans. I also think um, Cave could speak um, a little more in detail about some of those amenities and things that are going to be in the park. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to your question about the water permeability, um, a big part of how we as the um, business association, which turned into the community improvement district some years ago, um, felt that we could finance this was working with the MSD on some of their project clear rainscaping grants. And so um, we had an eye towards the design of the park being as uh, water permeable as possible so that we can qualify as much of it as possible for Project Clear grant funding. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know the background of, of that program, essentially it's about capturing rainwater and funneling it into the ground instead of into sewer systems, which tend to overflow and, and mess up uh, our waterways. And so, uh, yes, uh, Love Bank Park is the, is the first water permeable basketball court in the region. So uh, it won't collect water the way that the court is designed is that it slowly traps water and funnels it into the ground. Uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, MSD has been a super supportive partner. Um, you know, we applied and, and and were approved for this grant, I think, five years ago, six years ago, and they've been very patient with us as, as we've uh, gone through multiple iterations of, of community engagement and design processes. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited. Our first, uh, our first design of the park included a, a physical structure that could function as storage space and, and um, you know, ancillary and uh, a space for whatever the park may need. Uh, we moved away from that and then moved back towards that. And so, um, you know, originally it was is going to be purely landscaped. Um, and now we partnered, um, in addition to partnering with Arbelope Studios, that is a pr primarily a landscape design studio, uh, we brought in Pattern Ives uh, Architects and they designed this incredible structure. It's one part uh, storage structure and, and audiovisual uh, uh, space. And they designed this incredible light canopy that is going to uh, provides shade. It's going to provide a lot of lighting. You know, it's going to be glowing at night. So it's very incredible. We really see this space um, being activated in multiple different ways, from performances to plays to concerts to chess tournaments to basketball tournaments and gatherings and picnics and what have you. And Kaveh, you mentioned that this is in part, this whole redevelopment is in part funded by the Metropolitan Sewer District's Project Clear Initiative. Um, the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District, of which you're a part of, has also launched a capital campaign. Are you still looking for private donations for this? Yes, absolutely. If you go to our website, CherokeeStreet.com, um, you can find a link to the plans and to our capital campaign. Um, we have a lot of diversified funding sources for this, which is really exciting. We have obviously have a lot of development experience um, on Cherokee Street, and so we're used to kind of scrapping um, from multiple different ways. So we're, we're uh, relying on a lot of funding from um, the MSD grant. Uh, we are going through traditional construction financing, and we're doing a huge capital campaign, and then the Community Improvement District is putting a significant contribution in as well. So I believe our target is $150,000 raised from uh, supporters and community members and donors, um, you know, just in the time that we've announced. That's that first day that we announced the redevelopment. You know, I think we raised $1,000 that first day. Um, but we definitely have a long way to go to hit our goal. And, um, you know, every bit that we can get that sort of financial support from 
from supporters of the of the park is is less money that you know we have to spend uh, financing through a bank. So we'd love to have as much support as we can get. This project has also been hugely supported throughout the years by our elected officials, uh, Alderman Kara Spencer, Alderman Dan Gunther. A uh, huge shout out to our uh, executive director of the community improvement, Emily Tenhouse, who's been such a champion of this. And none of this would have been possible without um, the uh, initiation of Ann McCullough, who was the business association's uh, community liaison. In the future, it was Ann who originally applied for the MSD grant and, and got the process of redevelopment started. If you just joined us, we're talking about plans to redevelop Love Bank Park on Cherokee Street. The Cherokee Street Community Improvement District is set to break ground on the redesigned park in spring of next year. Um, you know, Pesha, I'm curious, there seem to be really no downsides to redeveloping the park, but we are living in a city where redevelopment is, that word even, often has a bad connotation. Um, you know, people are concerned about neighborhoods being gentrified. I'm curious if you have heard any concerns being brought up by community members in this regard. Um, so much in that. Um, by community members, I would really need to know how we're defining community members. Have I heard that? Absolutely. Um, you often hear the most about your neighborhood from the people who don't live in your neighborhood. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, I have heard that. Um, oftentimes when people talk about development or redevelopment, they're really talking about the financial aspect of it, how much money is being put into, um, what, what kind of collaborative targeted effort is being made to put financial resources into a space that already exists to make it quote unquote better. And what is better, right? Whose idea of better? If we're talking about redevelopment by that definition, I feel like what we're talking about with Love Bank is a development. It has to be developed. Resources have to be, financial resources have to be uh, collaboratively and strategically targeted to improve a place that already exists before you can redo it again. This is the first time that that's happened. Love Bank was developed by the people who live in the community, who activate the space, who care for the space. And I mean picking up trash, mowing lawns, breaking up fights, um, ho holding events, talking to young people. Um, yes, it's been extremely developed in that way, but when we're talking about actually putting resources into the built environment to make improvements so that the court is safe. You know, there, there are young people, I'm sure, that play basketball there that have really elevated their ball handling because they know where the potholes are, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, so when we're talking about development in that way to make the space not just pretty but safe, um, you know, I agree. There's no there's no downside to that. As far as the gentrification question, I mean, I was speaking with Prospect earlier just about one block on Cherokee, and we kind of went through business by business. In the last 10 years, some of these places have had four or five different businesses in those, in those spaces. Um, so change is constantly happening on Cherokee Street. Again, I go back to your perspective and your view on how you see that. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are these businesses leaving because they're being pushed out? And why are they being pushed out? 
um, that is definitely a conversation that needs to be had. It needs to be ongoing. My concern is that the conversation doesn't get amplified until we're talking about making things safe and good for young black kids, right? Um, As the young people say, please keep that same energy. When we are talking about a new bar or new restaurant or new event or activity that happens on Cherokee Street, if we're not having the gentrification question then, why are we having it now? You know, I think uh, what's interesting is, uh, like, I'm, I'm really big on energy right now. Uh, what does the energy look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? You know, it's it's crazy because you you when, when we put that idea of energy into the spaces that we want to establish and, and further grow, I think we get we get the energy of people who are skeptical, who are on the outside with a bunch to say, but we also get the energy of people who were just not understanding what was happening and leaning into that progression of what Love Bank is developing into. So to see people to put their own energy and their own passions into what this particular space is intended to be and what it's going toward being, you know, I think that's a something that shouldn't shouldn't be um, be looked over or glossed over by any regard because you know that energy it's it's it started off slow, you know it, it started off as us as community as family. Hey, don't curse around me, you know. Pick that trash up. Like that's how it snowballed into. Love Bank actually having power outlets now. <laughs> the energy growing. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that that question of gentrification is very interesting. You know, I uh, just, you know, by day I also work for St. Louis Art Place Initiative. And, and you know, we are a developer in Gravway Park. And, um, you know, we build for sale homes for artists. And, you know, I've spent my entire 10 and a half, 11 years on Cherokee thinking about, talking about, organizing around, ideating around the notion of gentrification. And I think a lot of times we kind of get these false dichotomies in rhetoric where people don't necessarily know how to interpret or analyze certain types of development without bringing that question of gentrification into it. You know, and I, when when we first opened Blank Space 10 years ago, you know, it was it was a wrestling match with ourselves of like, hey, you know, what is the definition of gentrification? It doesn't actually differ that much from the notion or definition of development. It's just development that displaces people. That is kind of the textbook definition. It's the type of investment that uses middle and upper class capital that ultimately results in the displacement of people that live there. And, you know, how do you, how do you take any individual development and say, here is the degree to which this development is contributing to gentrification. You know, I think, you know, we often talk about gentrification as a financial notion, but I I think it is as much a cultural notion, you know, and I think that the idea of of Love Bank Park and the reality of of Love Bank Park that we're building now is about preserving uh, safe space and accessible space for folks that are already here. So I would say that Love Bank Park and its development, by definition, is anti-gentrification. You know, there are implications from a financial perspective that we can debate till the end of time. But I think that, like, without understanding what a, a uh, conventional ethos for ethical development is, it's very easy for someone to look at any development and say, well, that's gentrifying. And and trust me, I'm one of the sharpest critics of gentrification in that neighborhood. I always have been. And, and this is just one of those circumstances where it is completely community-driven at every stage of it. You know, community activated it before the, the CID even 
you know, owned the deed to the parcel. You know, we, we contributed to what we wanted to see there. We contributed to the engagement efforts. We contributed to the design. Every person who's ever participated in the plan for what is coming to be came to the community first. And we made sure that we held folks accountable that did not. And so to see a vision that is entirely community-driven in every single way that critics of gentrification wish every development was be categorized that way, you know, to Pesha's point, it's people on the outside that really have no idea what's happening. So I, I don't take those types of criticisms seriously when it comes to Love Bank Park. Do you think that the organization of the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District and this development process in Love Bank, do you think this will be a good model for community leadership in St. Louis more broadly? Or do you hope it is? Definitely hope. Definitely. Now, now, would it be? It takes the right core group of people to make that happen. And what I think it also takes is people in power paying attention to the models that are getting used. You know, I look at, I look at um, the Gravoy Jefferson Historic Neighborhood Plan, and year over year, I constantly point to that as, as an example of how you develop, how you create a master plan in community with community, that that develops alongside the needs and desires of that community. And and that's right. Love Bank Park is in that planning area. Love Bank Park is an asset identified by that that master plan. And so, you know, there are models in this neighborhood over and over and over again that municipal government, that developers, that investors can look at and say, here are people that are doing it the way we all wish it were getting done. And so I hope, uh, I agree with my comrades here, like I hope that it can be that example. I think definitively that it is. Yeah, and and I'd like to add, um, you know, I don't want the narrative to be that it stops at this um, development, right? I feel like an even better model is, you know, it keeps going and maybe it develops into a community land trust or something to where the people in the neighborhood have literal legal ownership of the land and not just stewardship. Um, I think it's a great start. Would I say, and this is Patia speaking, uh, would I say that it's a great model? Um, I would honestly have to say I don't know yet because we haven't seen it before. And a lot of that is going to be determined by what happens, how we handle and hold um, this opportunity. Uh, But ultimately, you know, I'm like land for the people. How can everybody get a literal piece of it. You mentioned you've been doing community engagement work leading up to um, this announcement. Are you still seeking input? Always, yes, all the time. Um, All input is welcomed. All input isn't helpful, though. Um, I really encourage people who use the park you know, to say what it is that they want to see and also push back and challenge on things that they don't want to see or, or, or behaviors that they're observing um, that are not in alignment with um, their values or our communal value, values. Um, input from people who maybe don't use the park. I would challenge people to think about what that input is, who it's going to benefit, and why it is being shared, especially over social media. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an it's an evolving process. Um, I don't want to say it had never been done before, um, 
but in a commercial district uh, in the heart of the city, um, I haven't seen it done before. And so we don't know what could come of it, you know, and that's why we all have to be, uh, <laughs> I, I hesitate to use the word guardians, but really guardians and, and, and caretakers of what it is that these young people have built, you know, because you yeah. can take all of us out of the equation. Eventually, somebody would have put a basketball hoop on that court. In fact, over the years, we can probably name six or seven times people have brought additional bas- basketball yeah. courts. <laughs> roll to away the hoop. hoops. Roll away hoops yeah. that um, roll away the next day. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, there's actually two uh, hoops, two, two roll away hoops on the court right now. One of them is for little people. Um, and they did that, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the rollaway hoops, uh, it got all broken from, from use. And so, um, we rolled it to the dumpster. I was walking in Gravoy Park, the actual park in the middle of Gravoy Park. And I was like, that's the Love Bank hoop that we threw away. The young people had rolled it from the dumpster at Love Bank and put it in <laughs> Gravoy Park. You know, so (laughs) we have to be mindful of like, you know, there's this there's this idea of made versus versus created who made the park, who created it. Right. Did it get created when the hoop went up or was it made when it was activated by these young people? We have to keep their stories and their experiences at the forefront of what the purpose is and also move towards getting people land. (laughs) The Cherokee Street Community Improvement District is set to break ground on the development of Love Bank Park in spring 2023. For more information on how that process will unfold, you can visit our website at stlonair.show. Pesha, Prospect, Cave, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Pesha Elaine Anderson is a teaching artist and poet. Kave Razani is vice chair of the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District and co-founder of Blank Space. And Eric Prospect White is an outreach coordinator for the Guardian Angel Settlement Association. You can also check him out DJing on Cherokee Street. We out here. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Emily Woodbury. So close to me. I had to analyze. People standing too close. I'm getting mad inside. Started itching in place. Give me that sanitize. You know the feeling. I'm mostly tripping. But hell, so was them COVID killers you asked early. I let you go by the way, but nah, you on my ear like you got something to say. So bye, get your cuz in them. Get that lights all in love with them. Cause still ain't no hugging them. My own thing. At the checkout till I check out in my own lane. Oh man, hell no. If you see me in traffic, I'm bumping. This episode was produced by Avery Rogers. The audio engineering by Maya Norfleet podcast designed by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. 
and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.